Mark 3, we'll begin reading at verse 20 and read down through verse 30. Mark 3, 20 to 30. And the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for people were saying, He's beside himself. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And he called them to him, and he said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. I'd like to ask three questions of this text with you and try to answer them briefly this morning. Number one, is there really an unforgivable sin? And number two, if so, what is it? And number three, in view of it, how should we then live? Question number one, is there really an unforgivable sin? Verse 29, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Let's make three observations on that verse. One, God's forgiveness is in view, not man's. It's God with whom we have to do here. The sweetest news in all the world is to hear that God no longer holds your sins against you. And the most terrifying news in the world is to hear God say, I will never forgive you. It's God with whom we have to do in this verse, and that's the first and most important thing to see. What men think of your sin, that's relatively unimportant. What God thinks of your sin, that's infinitely important. Second observation. Jesus says that God will never forgive a person who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit. Underline the word never. When a human says, I'll never forgive you. Somebody ever said that to you? You can live with that. You just take up with other people. It's not really so important anyway. They're just human. It won't last so long probably anyway. But when God says, I will never forgive you, never means never. And there's nobody else to take up with in all the universe. If God says never, then in a million years, the verdict will be the same. It will still be granted. His sentences are as unbreakable as his pardons. Someone might say to you, well, I know the Greek now, and literally what this verse says is, you will not be forgiven unto the age, meaning in this age you might not be forgiven, but in the age to come there may be an opportunity. In other words, eternal damnation. That's not taught here. 
That's not true. And you can see that that's not true most clearly by looking at the parallel passage in Matthew 12:32, where Jesus makes it very clear that he is talking about never when he says never. Matthew 12:32 says, "Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come." And that means never. There are only two ages, the one in which we live and the endless age that is to come. And if Jesus Christ says no forgiveness now and no forgiveness then, there's nothing beyond where there will be forgiveness. And that's a terrifying thought. And the third observation from this verse is that the person who commits this sin will be guilty before God forever. Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty, underline the word guilty, of an eternal sin. If forgiveness is withheld for eternity, guilt is pressed down for eternity and held fast for eternity. God is never neutral towards sin. Either He forgives it wipes it away so that he never has to hold you accountable for it or he punishes you for it. There is no neutral middle ground of indifference toward sin. To reject, therefore, the doctrine of eternal hell is to go against some very plain forthright teachings in verse 29. This is one of the clearest passages in the Bible to the effect that there will be some people shut out from forgiveness forever. Unless I'm blind and can't read. And notice it is Jesus talking, not the big bad Paul or the legalistic James as some might say. It is the Lord who loved us and gave himself for us who teaches this awful, horrifying truth. So in answer to our first question, yes, there is an unforgivable sin. Jesus calls it eternal sin. He says that it will never have forgiveness. It sends a person into eternity to bear his guilt under God's wrath without end. Second question, what is it? It's a big, important question if it's true what we've just said. Verse 29 again, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. The unforgivable sin is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But what is that? Verse 30 makes it clear that Mark wants us to begin to understand this sin in relationship to what had just happened in the verses prior, verses 20 to 27. Notice that verse 30 gives the reason for why Jesus even brought up this issue of an unforgivable sin. He says, the reason was, for they, the scribes, had said, he has an unclean spirit. 
Now that points us back to verse 22, where they had said this in effect. Verse 22, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, Jesus is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. Now note very carefully, Jesus does not say that these scribes have committed the unforgivable sin. He hears them attributing the work of the Holy Spirit through him to Satan. And he says in response to that, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. It's a warning to the scribes. Maybe they have committed the unforgivable sin with those words. But maybe they haven't. When they see the work of the Holy Spirit and call it the work of Satan, they are on the brink of an unforgivable act, or perhaps they have fallen over the brink. Now, the reason I hesitate to say for sure that the scribes have committed the unforgivable sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is because Jesus invites me to hesitate with verse 28. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they utter. Or to be more literal, all things will be forgiven to the sons of men. The sins and the blasphemies, whatever they blaspheme. No exceptions are mentioned in verse 28. And I think the key to understanding what the unforgivable sin is, is to be able to see how, in verse 28, he can state so absolutely that all sins, all blasphemies, will be forgiven to the sons of men. And then say in verse 29, there is one blasphemy, there is one sin which will not be forgiven the sons of men. How can he talk like that? What does verse 28 mean? Mark has made it plain up to this point in his gospel that sins which will be forgiven are sins for which a person genuinely repents. Chapter 1, verse 4, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance leading to forgiveness. Chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand, repent, believe the gospel. Repentance is a prerequisite for forgiveness, according to Jesus' teaching. In order for anybody to receive forgiveness of sins, they have to repent. That is, they have to turn from their sin, go to God, trust him, accept his forgiveness, and follow after him. Turning away and following God. So when Jesus says in Mark 3.28, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter, he means all sins and blasphemies for which they genuinely repent. Why then does verse 29 seem to exclude one sin and one blasphemy from that promise. I think the reason is that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit 
excludes you from the possibility of repenting and therefore from being forgiven. Verse 29 is not an exception to verse 28. Jesus is not saying all blasphemies for which you repent will be forgiven except this one, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. He's not saying that. He is saying all blasphemies that you repent of will be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven because it puts you beyond repentance and therefore beyond forgiveness. If a sin that you commit makes it impossible for you to repent, it also makes it impossible for you to be forgiven, for only those sins will be forgiven for which you can genuinely repent. But why this one blasphemy? Why does this one act put a person beyond repentance? What about blasphemy against God the Father? What about blasphemy against Jesus Christ the Son? What about blasphemy against the Scripture or against the Church or against the holy angels? Why don't those put us beyond the reach of repentance and forgiveness? I think the reason is that the Holy Spirit has a very unique role to play in our salvation. If we look at God the Father in His glory, and then we turn away from Him and embrace sin, that's a terrible thing. That's worthy of damnation. And if we turn away from the Son that He sent into the world to die for our sins, and all the glory that we behold in Him, and we embrace sin, that's a doubly horrible thing, doubly worthy of damnation. But there's still hope for people who do that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity uniquely appointed to move into your life, open your eyes, grant you to recognize the irresistible glory of Jesus Christ and God the Father and bring you to repentance. And if you reject Him, there will be no repentance. If we blaspheme and reject the Father and the Son, there's hope. But if we make the last resistance against the Holy Spirit and spurn Him, then who's going to open your eyes to see the glory of Christ? Let me take one more step with you before we present our definition. Some people will say the unpardonable sin is continual resistance of the Holy Spirit until the day you die. And before you die, there's always opportunity for forgiveness, but after you die, it's an unforgivable thing. That's not right. That's wrong. And you can tell that that's wrong for two reasons. One of them is Matthew 12:32, which we looked at a few minutes ago. Matthew 12:32 is more precise than Mark. There Jesus says, whoever speaks a word against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. And had it been true that it only becomes unforgivable at death, 
he would not have said in this age. He would have only said it is unforgivable beyond in the age to come. And the second reason I believe that understanding is wrong is that 1 John chapter 5, verse 16 teaches that there is a sin that is not unto death. Pray for that sin and God will grant repentance. But there is a sin that is unto death and for that I do not tell you to pray. That's in this life. There is a sin which puts you beyond reach. And for that, there is no point in praying, says 1 John 5.16. What then is the unforgivable sin if it is not continual resistance until death? It is an act of resistance which belittles the Holy Spirit so grievously that he withdraws from you forever with his convicting power and leaves you unable to repent and be forgiven. And it happens in this life. I'll say it again. The unforgivable blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is an act of resistance against the Holy Spirit which grieves the Holy Spirit so grievously that he withdraws from you with his convicting power forever and leaves you unable to repent and be forgiven forever. And the final question then is, how should we live in view of this possibility? The fact that there is an unforgivable sin, that there can come a point in your life where the Holy Spirit will forsake you utterly, if you toy with sin and resist Him, ought to cause us to flee from sin in our lives with fear and trembling. None of us knows when toying with sin will pass over into irrevocable hardness of heart. It could happen this very afternoon in your life if you plan to go back to that sin. There are a lot of people today in the church and outside the church who are not on the wavelength with Jesus Christ and do not take sin seriously. When Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, lay it on a stump, take a hatchet, whack it off. That's a different attitude towards sin than is in the world today and in many of your lives. When your eye causes you to sin, take a screwdriver, stab your eye and jerk it out. That's how serious Sin is. Do you feel about sin in your life like that? There aren't many people today who think that sin is worth trembling about and being horrified over. We have such a naive view of God's patience as though it goes on forever, as though there really is no such thing as a point where the Holy Spirit will withdraw from us and never move us again one millimeter towards the Lord. People are like the buzzard. My dad told this story, and I close with it. When I was a little boy and scared the hell out of me. I've never forgotten it. He told the story of a buzzard flying over a river, and he saw a carcass on the 
piece of ice floating in the river and the buzzard lands and begins to eat this carcass. And he knows that he's in danger because he can hear the waterfall coming just down the river. But he knows he has these magnificent wings so that he can soar anytime he wants back to the safety of the skies. So he just eats on and on and on. And just before the ice is ready to go over the waterfall, he spreads his wing and he flies and his claws are frozen in the ice and he goes over the waterfall and is not forgiven either in this age or in the age to come. Oh, those of you who are sinning and playing with God, circuiting commitment on the outskirts and toying with sin, I cannot overemphasize what danger you are in today. And so my urgent plea to you this morning is that if by the grace of God you yet can do it, repent, flee from your sin, forsake it this very moment, resolve this afternoon not to take it up again, nor Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, because tomorrow he may have withdrawn from you. That's the warning. And now here's the promise. Verse 28. All sins and all blasphemies will be forgiven to those who repent. There is no sin you have committed that is beyond forgiveness if you can yet repent. Shall we pray? Almighty God and Heavenly Father, I want so much for this people to be purified. Oh, how Your name would be glorified in this church if people would forsake sinning. Oh, how we would have power to win this world if we were pure and our hearts and our homes were clean and our offices were clean and our private lives were clean and we weren't playing games with the Almighty. Frighten the fleshly father. May they not purse their lips and say, this is not so. And may they be driven then to the cross and find repentance and forgiveness. And now, O oh God, be pleased, I pray, to break every bad habit and give victory in the lives of your people for the name of our Lord and for your glory. And now to you who dwell in matchless holiness and justice and with those who are of a humble and contrite and broken spirit, be glory and majesty forever and ever. And all the penitent people of God said, Amen.